We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's dive over to the mailbag, Vince, and I, and I did want to kind of follow up on that comment. My, my whole thing is in basketball, winning a championship is different than it is in football because you don't have to be Alabama to win a championship in basketball. You don't have to be Ohio State or Georgia. Sometimes it's just you benefit from the fact that your team played, you know, you, you caught some breaks sure. uh, in, in the tournament. Well, it, it's you know? about being and, lucky. I mean, right. there, there's a reason some of these guys made be it pretty to the final good. four this year. Yeah, you, you got to be pretty good, but it just it's doesn't necessarily always require, you know, just the greatest team ever. And, and one of the thing, things I talk about is is re- remember when Michigan made the the last time Michigan made the Final Four, made the championship game when they got beat by Villanova it was like twenty eighteen. That wasn't a, a great Michigan team, but they beat number fourteen Montana in round one. Uh, Jordan Poole hit that half-court shot to beat number six, Houston. Then they beat number seven, A&M. Then they beat number nine, Florida State. Like, literally the highest-seeded team they beat was a seven-seed because North Carolina, the two-seed, got beat by A&M. And then the one-seed, Xavier, got beat by Florida State. Gonzaga, the four-seed, got got beat by Florida State. So they didn't have to play anybody. And then then they get to the Final Four, and who do they get in the Final Four? 11-seed Loyola Chicago, Right. Well, then you get to the championship game, and if you're playing a team that you match up well against, you have a shot. And that that's all I'm saying is it's not that I predicted or if he doesn't get it, that he's a failure. I just think it can if Virginia can win it, Notre Dame can win it is the way that I look at it. You know what I mean? It's just they're not going to be consistent. Where I would agree with you, the premise that you're coming is Notre Dame is not a team that's going to consistently be making Elite Eight Final Four runs. They're not. Right. They're just not. But they can be a team that can get that veteran team where everybody sticks and the coaching is good and they actually coach defense. And if you get the right draw, you you can do that. But to your point, Virginia caught some breaks the year they won it. Sure. Right. You, you need to catch some breaks. No, absolutely. Uh, the Fab My- Five caught a break. Remember, because East Tennessee State knocked out Arizona. Remember the year the Fab Five made the run their first year? They were a sixth seed. But what happened was, if you remember Vince that year, uh, it was, I think it was, um, yeah, I think it was Arizona was the three seed. That was a really good Arizona team. And they got knocked out by East Tennessee State in the first round. 
And so Michigan was able to play to play 14 CDs, Tennessee State instead, you know. So I mean they caught they caught a little bit of break there. And that's still to beat number two and number one. Uh, and then they get to the to the um the final four, and instead of playing number one Kansas or number two USC or number three Arkansas, which were good teams, they ended up playing Cincinnati, who was a good team, but a four seed. It happens that way sometimes. For sure. I made the Michigan example earlier. So you need a little bit of luck. I don't see Notre Dame being like an eight seed and beating one and then beating two and then be, you know, but I do think that the right team can get there. Like I, I think if you take that back-to-back elite eight teams, you take that first elite eight team and you put it into the NCAA today, that's a final four team. In my opinion, that could maybe beat anybody. I mean, that team with Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton and Zach August, and they can beat anybody in the final four this year. Sure. Right. Because yeah, right. you catch some breaks where it's not Duke and Kansas, <laughs> you know, and Kentucky. No, in right. My, 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 con- my bone of contention with the entire conversation and when people latched onto what they wanted to, and that's totally fine, was if I'm Micah Shrewsbury, I'm not coming out of the gate at my press conference and be like, national championship. That's why I'm here. Like that was, was a little, it was just a little excessive for me to start. Right. And I get I why. It's, it's, don't you think it's needed though? I mean, for him to say it. It's needed fine. to tell recruits I, this is what we're doing, and it's also needed to say to the administration. It's a recruiting thing. I get this that. This is what you said you hired me to do. I'm telling everybody that this is why I'm here. Now it's up to you to support us the way that you need to support us. That's kind of the way I look at it. I'm okay. honest with you. Yeah. I, it's, but, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, hey, there's a lot of steps that you need to take before sure. you start saying national championship. I, he didn't like, say they're going to do it next year, did he? No, but he's like, okay. He, they're like, why did you take this job? He goes, Closer to my family and to win a national championship. Sure. It's like, dang, Which he's dude. never doing like, at Penn State. Notre Dame has a much better shot to do that than Penn okay, State Okay, fair enough. Yeah. 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 But, you know, anyway, it was fun to uh, kind of hammer back, and then everybody <laughs> got pissed at me, and that was yeah. awesome. So It's good. Good. You don't You don't often have people mad at you, Vince. No, so you're like, welcome to my world. It's like, man, this is what Brian's like has to deal with every day? <laughs> Ooh, no, great. thank you. I think it's great, man, because yeah. you know what? I love the passion of Notre yes. Dame fans, and I will yes. also say that – and and I put this in my response, like if Notre Dame is making a run, like who do you think is going to be in the front row cheering that team on? Sure, this guy, like yeah. I want that. And, and I think like, it's Brian, a- delete all those videos right. from back when Shrewsbury got hired, where I said I don't want there to be any evidence on the. And road, I think he's the, the perfect hire too for for where this team is at right now, where this program is. I think he's the perfect hire. I think he's going to be a dogged recruiter. I think he's going to do all the things he needs to do. But right now he's got four scholarship players. Like there, this is gonna be a long road to that, right? Yeah. So sure. that's all. That's he's the only point that I was making. the roster. Oh he my gosh! Completely. Who comes back right now? Yeah, uh, Matt Zona, right? right? Ben Allen Lubin so okay. far. Hopefully he stays because he's pretty I good. Who else? But there's four scholarship players because Marcus Burton makes five because he was okay. the only committed player that stayed when all this stuck. Okay. Right. Well, now yeah. he's basically. It sounds like he's gonna bring like his entire. Penn State uh, recruiting class, which is three. Well, he, guys. he announced that his son's going to play for him, right? Yes, that's official. Yeah, that's right. definitely happening. So right now, <clears throat> so JJ Starling is gone. Trey Wirtz is gone too, right? Isn't he out of, yes, out of eligibility? Yeah, he's gone. Cormac Ryan's in the transfer portal. Tony Sanders, he's back, right? Yeah. Okay. See, so Van Allen Lubin, Tony Sanders. Um, who was the other one we said? Matt Zona. And that's yeah. who we're looking at right now. I think so. Jr. What's how do you say Jr.'s last name? Kinesny. Kinesny. Yeah, Jr. So, Kinesny. Right. He's so the that's the four, one. and then Marcus yeah. Burton's five, and then <laughs> right. now his son is six. Yep. 
And then yep. I saw that they had a crystal ball for his, that big, that top hundred forward that he has. Yeah. Yep. I watched some film of he's, he's skinny and needs a weight room, but he's a, he's a three year, three, four year guy, which I sure. like. Uh, that's why Notre Dame's sweet spot is not landing the JJ Starlings and the Blake Wesleys. It's fine. Get that guy occasionally. Add that guy to a veteran team and you might be able to do something. They're going to make their living, however, on those guys ranked Absolutely. 60 to 100 that are four year guys. <laughs> yep. That and then if you can have that, t- and that's what worked last year. You had some good four-year players, and then you put a first-round talent like Blake Wesley into that equation, and all of a sudden it elevates everybody else around. And then all you do is take him out of the equation, and all of a sudden this team stinks. You well, know? the delusional part was though that Mike Bray thought Wesley was going to be a three-year player. I, I know that's absurd. You've because got he to wanted have some JJ realism. Starling and Wesley right. to play together, right? And that was just. Not reality. No one except him thought that was going to happen. Right, exactly. Vince, you told me when the kid committed, you're like, this kid's one year, one and done. He's one and done. Right. Um, And, uh, but yes, I mean, that's the thing is like, add that guy when you have the team that's ready to compete. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and um, absolutely. That's that's where you need to be. So it's going to be fun. I hope he does well. Me it'd too. Be, it, it'd be nice to be have a, a, a men's and women's team that are both good again. Mm-hmm. I miss that. You remember the, man, the, early, the early teens? They they both had some great teams. That the the women's team is going to be so good next year. Yeah. Did you oh. see Hannah Hidalgo go off the other day? Yeah. <laughs> She's so little, but so she good. is lightning in a bottle, man. You play you pair her up with Olivia Miles in the backcourt. And so okay. yeah. Let's yep. have some fun. Like that's yep. gonna be well, they went to the sweet sixteen so this year without their correct. best player and one of their v- captains. And, and they're the soul they're of their team. Yeah. 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 So and still went to the sweet sixteen. So it's it's gonna be a fun run, but it'd be nice if they could actually both be good. Yeah. That would be uh would be nice. great. It'd be awesome. Vince, you you'll read them. Is that cool? I'll bring them up Sounds and good. you read them. Yeah, you bring, bring them up. up you read them. Let's go. Right, here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Rob Osgood says, uh, guys, what is your biggest unexpected positive thing that you saw today at practice? Unexpected. I mean, Jabron Payne, not, not that we didn't think, I mean, we just, Sean and I were talking about Jabron Payne yesterday about how we could, but I wasn't expecting to show up at practice and be like, yeah, Jabron Payne's going to be a dude. Like I was hoping to see Jason Onye ball out today. We were looking for him to ball out today. I didn't come to practice like, okay, let's see what Jabron Payne can do. Right. Okay. Let's do this. You know? So that was a, that was a really positive, unexpected thing for me to see at practice today. Was that for me? For me, it was Billy Shrouth. Like I, I, I went there wanting to see how he was, but I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw. And I, and I, and I've heard Brian tell me that you know he's going to be really good, and I projected him as a starter. All of those things, right? But I needed to see it with my own two eyes, and I was like, okay, like, yes, there's some a few things he needs to clean up and get better at. Of course, he's he's still a freshman, right? But mm-hmm. man, that that kid, that kid's going to be good. Like that kid's yeah. going to be real good. That's what. That was my positive for sure. My unexpected positive. Yeah, I was I was happy to see that as well. I, my only thing with him is it wasn't unexpected that he did well. It's something I was hoping for. I was I was not anticipating to see Jabron be a dude today. I, I honestly I hadn't even thought about Drake Bowen just because you know you're thinking about the veterans and what they're going to do. But just watching Drake run today, it's not that it was unexpected. It just wasn't thinking about it. When we were watching team drills and they were like right in front of us, the team period, and you're just watching Drake just fly downhill. You're just like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait till this young, these younger players are the, when the 22 and 23 players are the juniors and seniors in this team, I cannot wait to see that team yeah, play. Yeah, right. Oh man, I can't wait to see that team play. Now, some of them are going to be gone because when that, when, when the 22 class are seniors, you're probably not going to Benjamin Morrison anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's just the reality. But still, you're going to, you're, you're going to be in good shape. Mike Mickens has done a good job to where he's really loaded up a corner, man. I mean, really, really loaded up a corner. Does my boy Rico, this is from Gideon, but does my boy Rico have a legitimate shot at making the two deep or no? Rico is officially my guy now. Yeah, I would say yes, Vince. I mean, he has a shot. Legitimate shot. Absolutely. All the freshmen have a shot to crack the two deep. Absolutely. I'm not saying any of them will. Right. Right, but you know who had a great catch today? We didn't talk about it. Matt Salerno. Didn't you, he had, he the had catch a of the phenomenal day. one-handed catch today. Catch of the day. Catch yeah. of the day. It was a great – it was uh, Sam Hartman threw him the ball, I believe. Is that right? I think so. I think – either I think way, so. it was a fade. It was a corner route uh, to the corner of the – the back corner of the end zone. The ball was placed pretty much at the pylon, and Matt Salerno had a step, and he just reached out one-handed, dove, caught the ball, like – it was a heck of a catch, no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, Rico, of course he does. I think he's the most polished receiver of, of the freshman class at the moment from a, a route standpoint, and he's obviously physically put together. So I mean, he's he, of course he's got a shot, but he's been playing the slot, correct, Brian? Mm-hmm. So right now, I Rico? think Rico is he been playing the slot Re- outside. Jay's playing outside. Greathouse okay. has been playing inside. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean, he's got a shot at it for sure. He looks good. 
Rico looks good. That's the thing about him and Jaden is when they're running routes, they don't look like freshmen. Braylon James looks like a freshman yeah. when he's running routes. He's just a really fast freshman. Those guys look like freshmen pre-snap. When they're like, hold on. Like, there's a play today. They're trying to snap the ball. And Rico's like, hold on, hold yeah. on. Hold on. <laughs> what's happening. And then they had to call timeout. And it was just like, it was, like, it was kind of funny. It was funny because of where I was, but it, because I had flashbacks to like that happening with my receivers oh, like yeah. the, the first week of fall camp, you know, because we never had early enrollees and we didn't have spring ball when I was coaching, although they have spring ball now in Division Three, which is awesome. They should have always had that. But you're just like that practice where you know you got three freshmen out there and you just know what's going to happen. And they're just all looking around like, uh, what are we doing? And the quarterback didn't recognize it. I think it was Angeli. I think it's what yeah. it was. He didn't recognize it. I'm like, dude, you got to. You got to look around and see yeah, what your receivers are lined up, and they'll know what the heck they're it's doing. Like you know your what I mean? Number one responsibility as a quarterback. Right. Uh, it was pretty funny because I thought Rico was trying to get Angeli's attention to be like, "What am I doing?" And and Steve wasn't looking at him, but uh, they've all got a shot, Vince, because the talent's there. Post snap, they look great. Pre snap, sometimes they're not sure what the heck's going on, but post snap, they look really, really good. ICURN with Irish luck. We keep hearing there won't be an Isaiah Foskey on this line, but with uh, but with how high you were on Jason Onye, raw upside, could we see a Foskey sophomore season impact? I mean, that's that's asking it a lot. And and the thing about Foskey, it, his redshirt sophomore years when Foskey broke out, but we saw flashes of that the year before when he had four and a half second on the defense of four and a half sacks. I mean, we saw Foskey in twenty twenty show flashes jason onye's never played a meaningful down in his life and for me to put that pressure on him of hey you're the new foskey i think would be unfair he's also an interior guy compared to an outside guy so it's a completely different animal and and so no i i don't know if i'm ready to go there with jason onye right now i think that'd be a little bit unfair to him what i'm hoping that he can be is a really disruptive member of a rotation that's my expectations for him right now not Hey, go be go replace the all Amer- production of the all American. I, I think, yeah. And yeah. what I don't know what other people say, but I know when I say that I don't expect there to be a Foskey, I'm referring to like that individual guy that just gets the volume of production. That's what I'm referring to. Doesn't mean I don't think the line as a whole could eventually be better. It's just the volume that, that one vo- 14 tackle for loss, 11 sack guy. I don't know if that guy's going to be here this year. But I don't think it necessarily needs to be if you're doing the other things the way that you need to do the other things. But can Jason, like, can Jason Onye maybe replace Jason Adamiola's production? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Am I asking him to be a, a Foskey, a double digit tackle, or anything sniffing a double digit tackle for lost sack guy? That, or not just the production, if ICU's looking at it just from an impact standpoint, that's asking a lot of that kid. And I'm just not ready to put that kind of burden on him just yet. Right, he's never really played a meaningful down. That's just and, and a guy who's a lot less still, even though he's the same age as Foskey was. Isaiah Foskey went to De La Salle. He played against the best of the best. Jason Onye played two years of high school football in Rhode Island. Like just he's on a different play. Just give him time. Now, does he have the tools to maybe be an impact guy? Absolutely. It's again, it's why I gave him a four and a half star upside grade. That's that of a national top 50 player. So could he get there? Sure. Am I ready to put that burden on him right now? No, no, I'm not. I'm just not ready to go there yet. 
Didn't you have you have any thought you want to add to that? No, I, I my biggest thing was I'm not ready to put that kind of pressure on him. Like that was yeah. that's where I was going to come at with this, and and him playing a completely different position, the parallel isn't doesn't work for me. I I, I do like the Jason Adamalola parallel though. I think that one works a heck of a lot better, and I think that's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go, Vince. We got my my guy John A one's got a two parter. I'll bring up the second part as you get close to the end of that one. Love it. The 2018 linebacker class of uh, Jack Lamb, Shane Simon, and Ovia Gofu was a class. He forgot I about remember. Bo Bauer. Oh, and Bo, of course, was a class I remember being excited about, but major injuries and transfers derailed it. How can ND ensure it gets the most out of the 22 and 23 linebacker classes? Can Nolan Ziegler become the player we hope Jack Lamb would be before his injuries? They're different types of players. Couple things about it. Uh, uh, Shane Simon to me, it, Jaden Osbury is a lot like Shane Simon in this regard, Vince. In that, all the talent in the world, but very raw. The difference is, is Jaden to me is a little bit more instinctive than Shane was coming yeah. out. He's not quite as explosive as Shane was early on, but instinctively he's he's further along from where from where uh, from where Shane was. Jack Lamb was a guy that had a ton of talent. He just got hurt, got hurt in high school. Had had two knee injuries by the time he showed up. Just couldn't stay healthy. You know, Bo Bauer was a good player. Bo was never a top hundred player for me. Ovia Gofu was not a top hundred player for me. So I think the higher the high the, the the 22 and 23 linebackers have a lot higher ceilings to me than those guys Lots. did. Yeah. And and so you know there's that but to the point that doesn't guarantee that those guys are going to necessarily be productive. So you know what can Notre Dame ins- do to ensure that? Keep coaching them. Make sure they always have good a good position coach and make sure that they're playing in a defense that fits their skill sets. That's as simple as that. I mean that's really the key. And these guys seem to have a great Ovi didn't have a great feel for the game. Bo Bauer didn't necessarily have a great feel for the game. He was a downhill guy, but never great with reads and being positioned. Shane Simon was more upside than he was proven production. Jack Lamb was really good. He just couldn't stay healthy. There's fewer question marks with this group, too. I would say that's another thing, for, at least for me anyway. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my stance. Just keep coaching them up and make sure the defense fits what those guys do. That's going to be my biggest thing. I've noticed Notre Dame isn't bringing in any other 24 quarterbacks. This is from Ant VR. Could there be a general understanding between Notre Dame and Carr that Notre Dame won't bring in any quarterbacks if Carr doesn't go on any visits? I'm not quite sure the premise of this question, but the reason they're not bringing in any 24 quarterbacks is because they already have their 24 quarterback. Right. They're only going to get so one. So there, there's there's no understanding. It's just like you're our quarterback and we're moving forward. And CJ Carr has not blinked. There's like this thing going on where I don't know where it's coming from, but people keep like being concerned about CJ Carr. And I'm like, I don't I, I don't know where this is coming from. Every source that I have from Sources I have, you know, around the program, talking to 2024 recruits. Like I've literally ne- never met anyone yet to me that has said anything other than CJ's locked in. The recruits in their name, he's still he's he's good to go. He's locked in. The kid's been playing seven on seven around the country. That's why he hasn't been on campus. And he's already gone on public and said, I'm committed to Notre Dame. I'm I'm committed to Coach Freeman. Yeah, I love Coach Reese, but I'm committed. He did two interviews of national serve with the on he did two different interviews at on three. And in both of them, they said, talking to him, he's locked into Notre Dame. 
Yet Notre Dame fans are panicking about how, I don't know, because he didn't visit and whatever other. I don't know where this is coming from, but CJ Carr, Carr's locked in. I mean, he's, he's – he's, anything can happen in recruiting these days, Vince. For sure. But he's the last kid in this class that I'm worried about at this point in time. I just don't understand where that's coming from. But there's no need to panic right now. There's no need to be concerned, and there's no need to then – take a, a non-existent situation and create a situation by bringing in another 2024 quarterback. CJ has been very clear with Notre Dame where he stands and they've got their guy. That's why they're recruiting 25 guys. So, you know, we, we've said in the past, you, you follow actions and CJ has done nothing to me that justifies anyone being concerned about him. Oh, he visited this school. No, he didn't. He was in town for a seven on seven and him and his entire seven on seven team went. So CJ's supposed to say, no, leave me at the hotel all by myself, not hanging with my guys because I don't want fans on Twitter losing their minds because I went to this campus and while I'm do. in the world. You know, so like, so, so CJ's supposed to not do things that he allowed him to experience a, a, his life and have a good life because he needs to worry about grown-ups on Twitter freaking out because he was at Washington while you know visited the University of Washington with his teammates while out there for a seven-on-seven tournament. Like, come on, y'all. Like, there's what Peyton Bowen. I know that Peyton Bowen screwed Notre Dame over. I get that that stings, but let's not turn every kid into Peyton Bowen. His situation was unique to Peyton Bowen. Keon's situation was unique to Keon. CJ's is unique to CJ. Not every kid does things the same way. So let's chill out a little bit and let CJ live his life, which means dominating on a seven on seven team, which by the way, has a lot of Notre Dame targets on it. And so you want him there. Well, he needs to be in town recruiting. No, he's out of town at a seven on seven recruiting Jaden Riddell. How's he recruiting Jaden Riddell? They're on the same seven on seven team. And he keeps throwing him a bunch of freaking touchdowns. Right. He keeps throwing touchdowns to him. <laughs> you know, so that's how he's helping Notre Dame right now. And so I just, I want the kid to be able to live his life and not have to worry about every little thing that he does as a junior in high school, about to be a senior, being turned into something that it's not. And I get people need to you know make money somehow, but I just don't understand that. I don't. And so then we get questions like this, which I'm, and I get where you're coming from, but there's the understanding is you committed to us. We're, let's rock and roll. There's no need to go anywhere beyond that. And it's been that way forever and and you say it's not unheard of to sign two quarterbacks but why they don't need two quarterbacks they got a quarterback in the 22 class they right. got a quarterback in the 23 class they, he's the quarterback in the 24 class and they're recruiting they one for the 25 class like that they don't need a quarterback and if they and, one one. and the way that it is now if you need a quarterback because somebody transferred you go get a guy in the portal right exactly or you sign a second guy then hey we need cj we need to add a guy late because so-and-so left and we we need another arm. Okay, cool, coach. I got you. There's no need to do that now unless you're trying to create a problem. And fortunately, Notre Dame is smarter than that, in my opinion. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And if your focus, Ant VR, is just on maybe they need a second quarterback, that'd be fair if that was the where the numbers were, but the numbers aren't there. There's no need for – I mean, you're 21, you're 22, you're 23 quarterbacks are all on the team right now. And as of right now, none have expressed a desire to transfer. So you get your 24 guy and keep rocking and rolling and exactly. do what they're doing now, which is getting Deuce Knight on campus, getting Cutter Bowling on campus, trying to get George McIntyre on campus. That's what their focus needs to be on. And they had Deuce on campus today. And, and as we said on Thursday, that's the perfect, to me, the perfect 25 quarterback to bring in the year after C.J. Carr. Absolutely. 
Let's bring this up, Vince. I'll go and read this one. So uh, Mark Brown says, Brian, please pass along our well wishes and prayers to Ryan and his family. I will certainly do that. As you all saw on Twitter today, um, Ryan's uncle passed away yesterday. And so uh, it was a a pretty rough time. Ryan was actually getting ready to start the show with me and found out that um, his uncle was uh, in a bad place and uh, had been sick for a little bit. And so he had to leave, and Sean Davis uh, was a great team player for us yesterday and stepped in and helped with the mailbag. But uh, just keep Ryan in your prayers, uh, everybody, him and his family in your prayers. It's his mom's It's his mom's brother. So it was um, a tough day for the Roberts family yesterday. And I appreciate that, Mark, and I'll certainly express that to him. Uh, and now we're back on, ta- on track here, Vince, with Brandon Plesner. For, yeah, from Brant from uh, Brandon Brian was Caleb Beasley and Aaron Scott looking like they were enjoying themselves. Sure, yeah, they, they did. Now that, that doesn't mean anything, but yes, they looked like they were enjoying. All themselves. the recruiters looked like they were enjoying yeah. themselves. They had a pretty cool spread up there, you yeah. know, like they're they, like some really good Breakfast, food, and, and they had lunch, and we had pizza hungry. when we were leaving at the end. I know. Yeah. They had to pay well, for it, but it was there. Yeah. They did really. Yeah, it was ten bucks a person. That's ridiculous. <laughs> breakfast, unofficial breakfast was $5 a person. So, so and, you know, maybe they got those signs up just to be like, hey, we made them pay. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But right. like, whatever. That's lame. Yeah. That's lame. All right. So this is a, this, we answered this question, Vince, earlier. Nate Gibson says, how do you feel about this spring uh, season than the past? I just wanted to pull this up because it, I, I knew there was a question about it. I didn't remember who it was from Nate Gibson. So Nate, I appreciate your question. Vince answered that earlier. For me, it's been a few springs, but, you know, to me, the difference in past springs are there's a lot of questions with this team. There's still, a you know, who's going to be the leading receiver? Who's going to step up here? Who's going to step up there? There's a lot of questions, but my comp, my, my excitement comes from the margin for error is probably wider now than it's ever been just from a depth of talent standpoint. And I don't know who the best receiver is going to be, but there's a lot of options. I don't know who the best defensive lineman is going to be, but there's a lot of options. Those are the things that make me confident about this team compared to the past, to past teams. And honestly, this is the best quarterback room Notre Dame has had since 2014. Right. When they had Everett Golson, Malik Zaire, and Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, it's it's without question the best quarterback room they've had since then. Would you agree with that, Vince? Oh, wholeheartedly. I mean, 15 was good with Malik and Deshaun bottom. and Brandon yeah. Wimbush, but this this one's even better than that. Yeah. From top to From bottom, one, two, four. I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. From Mark. Oh, actually, did we did we see that? Yeah, we we I think we pulled that one up earlier, right? Or at least we one like it. Yeah, similar, very similar yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's go on to this one. All right, from Jay Henry. Do you guys think Payne will get some touches this year? I, from what I saw today, they, it would be criminal for him not to get some touches. Now I don't know what that volume will be or where he'll be on the depth chart, but he can handle touches, and if he's healthy, he's going to get touches somehow, some way. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's it's not going to be easy for him because it's a loaded backfield. But I think you started to see it last year. Remember, somebody asked me, we had a question the other day I didn't get a chance to get to, but hey, could you see Jabron Payne playing on special teams this year? I'm like, he played on special teams last year. So, yeah, I could see that. You know, and because he was the number two, he was the, the side beside Chris Tyree on yeah, return last couple year. of games. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think he could. I think he could play this year. I mean, look, they're going to have some talented backs, man. I mean, Darren Price and Logan Diggs and Audric Estime and Jeremiah Love shows up in the fall, you know, in the summer. I mean, they're loaded. Somebody's not going to touch the ball as much as they want. 
I mean, we'll see who that is. But Jadarian is a Jabron Payne's a good football player that I think certainly has a chance to to get touches this year. No question about it. Another one from Ants is how does John Mitchell's commitment to Penn State affect cornerback recruiting? It's right up your alley. Well, it it's it stings. It does. I mean, we had an intel piece a couple weeks ago uh, after he visited. It was about a week ago where it was Notre Dame or Penn State for him, and obviously Penn State won out. And that was a tough loss because the only other two corners on the board right now are the two that Brandon asked about, and Aaron Scott and Caleb Beasley. I don't feel great about either one of those guys right now. I don't have. I don't feel great about flipping Caleb. It's possible they could they could flip Caleb Beasley. I mean, every time I see Caleb Beasley's parents, they look like they just this is where they want to be. But they're also going to let Caleb make the decision. And right now, he seems to be enamored with Tennessee. Uh, can Notre Dame do enough to flip him? We'll find out. I hope so because he's really good. But right now, I mean, he visited, so you got a shot, but I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great about them getting Aaron Scott from Ohio. I think he's the guy that could go to Ohio State, go to Michigan. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat. And so if, you de- if you're dead set on taking a third corner, you might have to offer Marcellus Barnes. Personally, for me, I wouldn't offer Marcellus Barnes. I would just stick with the two I have and keep trying to flip Caleb Beasley until signing day. That's what I would do. Uh, I don't know if Notre Dame's going to have the patience for that, but that's what I would do. But losing John Mitchell, who I liked a lot, that's a big loss for me because I think he was the guy they had the best chance to get of the corners for a number three corner. And he's a he's more of a natural nickel, like slot corner, and could also play the field. So that was a that was disappointing to see that loss. And I mean, I get it. I mean, look at Penn State had a great cornerback tandem last year in in uh, Joey Porter Jr. and in, in King. They were, and I think King was better than Porter was actually. But they had a very good cornerback room last year. So, I mean, they're doing well there. I just was hoping they could get John Mitchell. But they ended up they ended up not getting him. So, it's a, it a big loss. Big loss. From Irish Mills 540, Brian and Vince, I know you mentioned he's running with the ones as a wide receiver. Love to hear that. But what are your thoughts on using Tyree on kickoff punt return? Example, the Wisconsin game in 2021. So, here's what I will say to that because – I was part of the interview. I was uh, Marty Biaghi was was one of the guys that was able to be interviewed today. He's the special teams coordinator, and right now Chris Tyree is in the mix not only to be the starting kick returner but also the starting punt returner. Believe it or not, he I don't is. know how I feel about that. I don't like it either, but that's the name that he's just brought up. Catching the ball. I mean, he's right. dynamic. He's right. dynamic. Right. But yeah, they, they brought him up. Uh, he also brought up a couple of other guys as well, but Chris Tyree was a name that was in both lists. Um, and so there you go. Uh, but Jabron Payne was back there on kickoff returns. Um, Mickey was back there on kickoff returns. Do you remember who else was back there? Oh, well, that's when I was starting to compare notes for other okay. players. I didn't pay attention at all. For punt return, he mentioned You'll see Jabron eventually back there. I think Jeremiah Love might get a shot when he shows up. Sure. He, but, yeah. he, he mentioned Salerno. He mentioned... Um, uh, Chris Tyree, I and mean, he mentioned a third one too for punt returns, but that was that was those were was the it, punt return names. Did he mention any of the freshmen? Did he mention Great mm-hmm. House at all? Mm-hmm. Okay, no. I'd be curious. So Salerno, no. he said Kirk, Tyree, Salerno, and Tyree Jay and Salerno were the two big ones that he mentioned okay. for punt returns. Did he say Jaden Mickey? No, Christian Gray, Xavier Watts. I'm trying it to think, it might have it might have been Watts. Okay. It might have been Watts. He was but, a pretty good punt returner in high yeah. school. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I mean, look, he's. He just got here. Like he's learning these guys too. And he made right. a very clear point of that. He's like, Hey, we're kind of just figuring this thing out. We're kind of figuring out who's going to end up where. And you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a process. It's still the spring. So 
Right. Uh, We're not even halfway through spring. Right. Exactly. exactly. So figuring out who the punt returner is going to be is not high on the priority list. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's another one, Vince. We're getting we're getting close. We're we're All winding right. down. Here's I, here's another from ICU. <laughs> ICURM with Irish Luck. Do you envision Notre Dame trying to use Chris Tyree like NC State used Naeem Hines? No, because I feel like NC State used Naeem Hines more as a running back that could catch the ball. And I think this year he's gonna be a little bit more, you know who a bit more balanced. You know who I who I think I could see them using him like, and I'm going to try to pull up his numbers just for comparison's sake. But the guy that I kind of really think about, and 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 who I think that Notre Dame could end up using him the most is it's kind of like DeAnthony Thomas with Oregon. If you go back and look at like at, at his career, and you look at like his uh, his 2011 season, he was a guy that had 55 carries for 595 yards and had 46 catches for 605 yards 2002 he had 92 carries for 701 yards 45 catches for 445 yards you know somewhere in there i think is where i could see him him finding his sweet spot in my opinion because i i just don't know like i remember was it 2017 i think it was, was naheem hines's last season at georgia tech he was a thousand yard running back that only had 152 receiving yards yeah so I mean he 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 never caught the ball. His most yards he ever had in a season was 256. So I, I don't think NC State really used Naheem Hines like a dual threat guy. They used him like a running back who could return kicks. But um, now maybe maybe Naheem Hines is being used differently in the pros. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of NFL, but I think Chris Tyree will be more. I'm not saying he's going to be as dynamic or productive as De'Anthony Thomas, but more closer to that than what we saw from Naheem Hines at NC State. That, that's my opinion on that one. From Brandon, is Colsey going to reach his potential this year? I hope so. No, no idea. Full potential? <laughs> so. Probably not. Right. But start tapping into his potential. We're like, yeah, he's a pretty sure. good player. I mean, you guys reach their full potential over time. Right, like Will Fuller had a breakout season in 2014, had 76 catches for over a thousand yards. I didn't think he reached his full potential. There was still room to grow, and we saw that the next year when he was even better. Right, you know, and, and even more dynamic. So he didn't reach his full potential until 2015, even though he had a thousand yards the year before. Golden Tate had a thousand yards as a sophomore on 58 catches, but he didn't reach his full potential until the next the next year when he had 90 some catches 1400 because he evolved as a route runner got more comfortable with different things and just was a better player so could i see Dion start to get to that level certainly certainly i could see him getting to that level to where he could be uh i think what we'll see more if Dion breaks out this year it's going to look a lot more to me like miles boykin than michael floyd production wise right like that's what i think meaning you know, 50 catches for 800 yards, as opposed to Will Fuller or Golden Tate or Michael Floyd, who were well over a thousand, you know, Michael Floyd, what was it in junior year? Was he like 70 some catches for like 1100 yards? I think is what he did that year. Then he had over a hundred catches the next year, but let me, let me pull that up real quick. He had 79 catches for 1,025 yards, 12 touchdowns. I don't think we'll see Dion have that kind of production again I think it'll be more like what we saw from Miles 59 catches for 872 yards I think that's probably the top for Dion this year and then maybe next year he could maybe break out like that but the problem is going to be it still is you've got other guys that are going to be big time weapons Tobias Merriweather and so that's why I don't think a guy is going to reach like that big jump in p- potential and production 
in my opinion, because there's just so many guys that they're going to throw the ball to this year. Yep. That's exactly. my two cents on that. Thoughts on no, that, Vince? That. That's part I agree with. Uh, that's that's the point I was going to make. You hit it right at the very end was that he doesn't need to reach his full potential because there's just there's a lot of options. And and again, we talked about him when we were talking about the wide receivers. It's it's, it's all about consistency for him. That's the key. And we haven't seen that just yet. I'm hoping to because I think his ceiling is high, but he also doesn't have to reach his full potential because they can spread the ball around and there's other guys that can, you know, get the yards and the catches and all of that. Good question. All right. Five state revival. Did anything stand out to you today about how the O-line is taking to the coaching of coach Rudolph? Does it look like the technique of the offensive line is being coached? Well, I'd say for the most part, Vince, I mean, I, I think they're in practice five of the spring, so there's going to be inconsistency, right. especially with the young players, but sure. I haven't seen anything like concerning like Zeke Carell's taking a step back or Joe Walt's not as good, or that's when you start getting concerned about coaching is when the veterans are regressing. Yes. I haven't seen anything like that. And what the limited practices we've seen, which tells me that they're taking well to it. It also tells me he's not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. And that's the sign of a smart coach. Hey, look, they had Harry Heastan. I don't need to, you know, to stroke my own ego, change everything and do it my way. You know, like that's silly. I don't need to do that. Let's mm-hmm. build on it because there's a lot of similarities in their philosophies. And that's one of the reasons Joe Rudolph got hired as we as we when we broke that news was because the players liked the fact that he was so much like Harry and the things he believes in right. and the philosophies. Not that he was like, oh, we want the next Harry, but just the best O-line coaches tend to have certain things that they believe and and how they go about their business and what's important to them. And we saw that with, with uh, Joe Rudolph and, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's um, I think important. So I, I look, and we've seen Billy Shrouth today got better and better as the thing went on and Emil showing some progress. So it's a work in progress. There's a big difference between the veterans and then there's these young kids who have hardly played at all. And then there's these veterans who've made a lot of snaps and then not a lot in between. Right. So you're going to see some of that. But I mean, I saw nothing today, Vince, that made me concerned about the coaching. I just saw concerns about experience today, right? Like, yeah. When you and I would watch Jeff Quinn's lines, it just it was across the board like, oh my gosh, they're just not playing physical. Right. You know, like they were getting beat today at times, but it was never about, oh, man, they're not battling. They're not competing. They're not playing physical. They're not playing hard. It was always like, why are they catching so much? I didn't mm-hmm. see that today. Right. And when they did catch, it got immediately corrected. It was not accepted or embraced. Uh, and it would be like one guy on a rep. Like Billy Shrouth was doing a little bit of catching early. Got corrected by later in practice. He's moving people. That's that's when you start getting concerned. So no, so far so good from what I've seen of them. Now again, we're five like five six practices in, so it's <laughs> right. early yet. But so far, I I like what I've seen. Yeah. And again, this is the first time we've seen any team or any inside run, and you know what we've seen so far is it's been it's been good. It's been good. Thoughts, Vince, on that? Yeah, I mean, I I it's it's different, right? Like when we're watching practice in the past, you know what's getting coached very specifically because you can hear it. Uh, with Coach Eastand, right? And that's the biggest difference, I think, uh, with with Rudolph. Rudolph, number one, he takes the team, he takes the offensive lineman to the other side of the field. So like they're not in their normal spot. And so it's a little bit harder to see kind of what's going on with them uh, because they're not close to us like they used to be. And number two, he's not quite as loud as the last coach. And so you don't know exactly what he's talking about and what he's doing because we're not down on the or field. Or colorful. <laughs> 
kind of what I was referring to. And that's not um, a knock because I love Harry. No, I, gosh, absolutely. And I still love that he yelled at Chris Summers last year. That was awesome. Yeah. But from a what I see on the field, I don't see a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the biggest thing to me. That That's going to be the telling point as to what we see on the field. I don't see a regression at the moment. Now, again, it's early, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, they, they could still be going off of what they learned from Harry Heastan, right? And, and, and we're saying, let's just be clear, it. clear why we're saying these things, right? We're not trying to say these things to downplay Joe Rudolph. It's just that we're excited about what we saw from this team, the Correct. good and the bad, but we also don't want to make it seem like, Hey, they're going to win a championship because of what we saw on April 1st. Right. So I want people to be clear that we want to let you all know there's a lot of good stuff we saw today and some things that have to get worked on. And it's good to be excited about this team. It's okay to be excited about this team, but also understand that there's still a work in progress. Right. So when we say about Joe Rudolph, Vince is not saying, well, it's early yet and he may end up sucking. It's just like, look, where they are, where they they're they are where they need to be for now. They if they're this it, would you say this, Vince? Like if they are playing in August, like they did today, that's a problem. That's Absolutely. a concern because you sure. should be further along, but for right. where they are right now, I'm happy. And you're missing some right. veteran guys that weren't out there today. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, can, I'm, I, there's no red flags going off for me no. when it comes to coaching on this team right. as of right now, Agreed. there are, there are not. And, and, but, but same time, there's a lot more that needs to happen. Bef- there, there are potential areas where red flags could come up. But for now, where we are right now, I, I, I'm very pleased with what we've seen. Because the biggest thing is, Vince, that I didn't see a step back in physicality today. The execution wasn't great, but again, it's a blitz it's, peer, blitz yeah. practice, and it's you're right. not even halfway through spring. You're going to have some of that. Correct. But the physicality didn't take a step back. And to me, that is huge, huge. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to the next one. From DT, is it DT Roll Hunter or D Troll Hunter? D Troll Hunter, yes. D Troll, perfect. I've always wondered that. All right, Brian, was Al Golden letting Max lead the linebacker group? Well, go ahead, Vince. I mean, you, you yeah, talked I, a little bit about that earlier. Yeah, yes. today, yes. Uh, today, Al Golden was kind of everywhere else on the defense besides with the linebackers. I don't know if that's a normal thing because this is the first and only practice we're going to get where we're there the entire time. It was like that during individual of the other two practices okay. we were at. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, he it, it is very clear to me that Max is the linebacker's coach. He's the linebacker's yes, correct. At least on the field. I mean, so, yeah, I, Al Golden is going to be the defensive coordinator, so he's going to be all over the place, and Max is going to coach these linebackers. So yeah, uh, we'll see how that works. 
Yeah, that that is definitely. Uh, is that how it was last year? Was Laurinaitis the linebackers coach? I, yes, I don't he know. was the linebackers coach. Yes. Okay. No, I didn't see that firsthand, okay. but yes, I mean, from everyone okay. I talked to, he was he was the same situation. Coach. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was. All right, here we go. Got one from NH. Is there a strategy in what the team practice during? Well, what from what the team practices during a media session? Does that strategy change from spring to fall? Oh yes, there absolutely is. <laughs> I was um, waiting for you to go with that one. And 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 that's not always a bad thing. I mean, there's some things that like, hey, I'm not a paranoid coach that just doesn't want anyone to know anything. But sometimes it's like, hey, let's not do this new thing that we're working on because you don't work on everything every single day, especially at this time of the year. So hey, today let's do this. Let's not work on this. Right. Let's not do this. Let's do this. Uh, yes, there's like, it, it's not a coincidence that one of the fall practices we got a couple years ago when we could go was remember that Vince was like everybody out on the different numbers and it was like a non it's like that's one of the practices we get like that was absolutely intentional absolutely intentional right so certainly there's some strategy to that uh it's not always a negative sometimes it's hey we media's gonna be here we're gonna go have a practice but we know there's gonna be eyes so let's make sure that today we're not you know we're not working on our red zone you know our, our our red zone pass package or our two point plays we're not going to work on our two point plays today because we don't want people talking about our you know poten- driscoll may who who you you know vince they used to be coaches they're going to be getting on their show and breaking down the five right. two point right. plays we did today right so guess what let's not show them that that's smart right yeah. now yeah. i would say guys just talk to us and say Hey man, we're gonna work on this today. Can you guys not get into specific con- like remember that one year in fall camp? Michael Birch was like, Hey, can you guys not yeah, he was very specific like- about it? Right. And then one of them okay. was dumb, like, don't list the first team. I'm like, oh, dude, come on, it's stupid. Right. But like they asked us, and you know, like at the end of the day, they can't tell us what to write in regard to this is my evaluation to the team, but they can say, Hey, if we're gonna let you here, there are certain things we don't want you to discuss. We don't want you talking about injuries. Right. Until the head coach has talked about it. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want you talking about, you know, this type of thing. Cause you know, like I've had somebody one time actually asked me this a few years ago and it was very fair. Can you guys not get into the really detailed specific route combinations that we're running? Like if you're talking about so-and-so beat so-and-so on a post, that's cool. But when you're breaking down the full detailed play, can you not do that? Fair. Very fair. Cause I try to look at it from a coach's standpoint. Sure. You know, and so uh, when like how I would feel if I was one of them and some dude like me was doing that, totally fair. Right. And just communicate that to us. And and I think they have the right to do that. If we're going to let you here, because you don't have a right to be here. It's not, this isn't like, this isn't like the First Amendment stuff or we, because we're meeting, we have a right to be at every single practice. We don't have a right to be at practices. It's, I understand it's a, it's a, it's blessing. I just think they should do it more. It's my opinion. But, but and I think more. it's I think it's good for fans. Sure. But at the same time, I also understand that if you're gonna, the more you let us see, the more they should be willing to say, "Don't talk about this. Don't talk about this. Don't talk." Now, what they ca- shouldn't do and what they can't do is don't write that so and so had a bad practice. Screw right. that. I'm not gonna, you know. But don't get into specific plays. Don't talk about specific coverages that you saw. Don't talk about injuries and that kind of thing. Don't talk about. Uh, let's say there was a big brawl in practice. Hey, can you guys not talk about this, please? I would be somewhat understanding of that because I, I know what those things are like. They're not a big deal on a football team, right. but they can be perceived 
out by outsiders is this horrible thing. Um, don't talk about how the coaches use bad language because that's football. But other people that aren't football people go, oh, I can't believe they're cussing up the players. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, that's my thing is I do think that there's a right to do that. But there has to be some strategy with when you're a coaching staff. In, in fair, sure. there has to be some strategy to what they do and don't show when they know that the media is going to be there. Right. And I have a problem with that. And does it change from spring to fall? The specifics might, but the overall philosophy does not. Right. But I think they're less they're less prone to hide. That's why we, if you notice last year, Vince, I think all almost all the media available had last year was early. Mm-hmm. When it's still they got general stuff, it's right? They got in the game. It's still prep. very general yeah. stuff. You're just seeing right. normal past stuff. And and so if you report this, that's fine. We're just working under base offense, and everyone's going to know we're we're going to see. But there's as they got close to Ohio State, there was no access, and that's fine. That's fine. I have no problem with that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. calculated. I mean, yeah, and and, and I would is. be that way too if I was a coach. So me saying is. this is not. I'm not saying this out of anger. The only time I say it out of anger is if they don't show us anything. Like it's some if silly it was just an entire practice or a special teams the entire time. Right. Like, that was the one that a couple of years ago it was like an yes. entire. Oh, we get a watchful, and it was literally they did special the teams entire the entire time. freaking practice. Right. It's like this. Come on. You're just being a jerk at this point in time. Like mm-hmm. you're if you don't want us to be here, just don't tell me to be here. I won't waste my time driving over here to, to, to be here. You know, like you guys don't you guys want us to you know treat you with respect. How about you show us a little bit as well? I got I have there was nothing like that today. We saw a legitimate full Notre Dame practice. Absolutely. They just happen to be working on blitz stuff today. Right. Like I don't think it was like, ha, let's not show them our base offense and let's work on blitz today. I think it was more like Hey, we're working on blitz stuff. Today. This is what we're doing. This is where yeah. we are in the yeah. in the practice plan. Yeah, and yeah. and are we okay with the media seeing that? Sure, because most of them won't be able to explain what we're doing anyway. Right, and that's not an insult. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Uh, if I went to a basketball practice and they were working on certain sets, I wouldn't be able to explain to you what they're working on. I'm not a basketball guy, so I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that like a it, it, a disrespectful comment. The I way still that enjoyed I it. it. I still <laughs> enjoyed it. It's out here trying to start stuff, man. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get to some more questions. Here we go. Get my trident out. <laughs> All right, Brick. <laughs> you hold on to stuff. You do not forget stuff, man. Uh, Keith Selner says, uh, do you think that they will leave both Junior and Burnham at Viper, two high-level recruits? Notre Dame can only have one start. I mean, that's such a – I mean, I don't care. You, you do not play one defensive lineman at a position anymore. Correct. If you have two studs at Viper, that's phenomenal. That's not a problem. That's a positive. And there's no reason to move a guy to another position where he may not be as good simply because you can only have one. This isn't Highlander. There can only be one. You know what I mean? Like, you need depth. And if I got two great pass rushers, then that means I can take 10 to 15 reps off of one guy's yep. legs every Absolutely. game. So that's a, that's actually a good thing, not not a bad thing. Uh, yep. So I'm – um. I don't see that as a, a problem at all, at all. We got asked this question too, Vince, from Berkshire Yank about assessment of Joe Rudolph. Do you feel like we answered that kind yeah, of in that last part? Yeah, I think so. so. I mean, a little bit too early to tell, but then also it doesn't appear like he's trying to reinvent the wheel so, either. So far, so, so good, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how so I look far, at so it. Good. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe Medina, here we he got one from him. All right. This is if Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison have great seasons helping Notre Dame D become a no-fly zone. 
Do you think that will help with Beasley and or Scott, or will it be a non-factor? Oh, certainly help. Success always is, is a factor. Yeah. The question is, will it be enough to flip them? That's a legitimate question. Yeah. That's a different question. But will it help? Sure. Just like if Notre Dame goes out there and gets torched in yeah. the secondary, it may hurt them with the guys that are already committed, right? Or it, it'll hurt them in regard to flipping those guys because it's like, yeah, you guys are pretty bad on defense. I don't want to be a part of that. So uh, certainly helps. It it's it's one of those things where yes it's it's fine to it's fine to say it'll help but but also recognize that helping doesn't equal it's the ultimate end all be all right like it may help you have a shot a better shot at flipping Caleb Beasley but it doesn't mean you're going to flip him right and and I think that that that's how I take Joe's question is, is it sure. going to help? Yes, it helps. Is it the end all be all? No. And I don't think he's saying that. Uh, it certainly helps. I think at the end of the day, though, the overall team success has to match it too. But I, I think the, the concern I have is that I could see a scenario next year where Notre Dame is a really good pass defense, but still isn't as good as they need to be because they're not a great run defense. That's still a concern yeah. of mine because that's been a concern for years. And Clark Lee had one really good run defense. The others were just good, not great. And and I I want to see that if they're going to be a great defense and and really w- maximize the the number of the amount of success and wins that they can have this season as a team, they've got to get better running the football, in my opinion, offensively or defensively, stopping the run defensively, stopping the run and, is the big, and be yeah. more consistent running the football right. than they were last year. But I think that has more to do with the pass game than it does anything else, in my opinion. We got a recruiting question here from uh, Brandon. Ooh, all right. What are your thoughts now on the twenty-five wide receiver offered to Sean Lanier? Is it Lanier? Mm-hmm. Or okay, mm-hmm. I was actually surprised to see him get an offer today. I hadn't seen a whole lot about him before today. He's a kid from Michigan. I'm fine with it. He's a good player. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about sophomores. He's a smaller guy, shiftier guy. I'm not sure what his weight, height, actual size is. He looks like about six foot tall, about 165 pounds. Vince, he's a really skinny kid. Wow. Uh, good route runner, good athlete. I don't know if he's a burner yet, but he's got some speed potential. Catches the ball really well. He there's several highlights on his tape where he's making tough over the middle catches. There's one he catches the ball at the goal line and gets drilled, hangs onto the ball. So he plays plays big. You know, plays like a, a a bigger kid. He's got some skill. So and right now with 25, you're just building the board. You're not necessarily. You're not necessarily saying, well, we're going to take this guy right now. It's like we're putting the board together. And sometimes we got to offer these kids to have a shot to 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 get the you know to get in the game. And with you're seeing some of these teams, Vince, that the, some of these teams are just offering these kids so early. Yeah. That if you don't get in on this kid now, you know, you you may not have a shot. Or for example, like this Deshaun Lanier kid, he hasn't been offered by Michigan yet. And so the reality is, is if you don't beat Michigan to the punch, the odds of you getting that kid are going to be diminished so it's not a situation where the kid doesn't have a great offer list and so you know but okay fine be on be on top of it be the first one to have him there uh to get to that offer and then because you're he he knows he can't commit right now or probably knows that so you're but you're now you're just building that relationship right uh, i i'm good with it and and i like more i want more guys like that they're they've got some big guys on the board i want to get a couple more of those shifty smaller shifty guys he's in that jason robinson school of play a little taller than jason but very similar overall player to jason robinson who i like a ton in that 2024 class so i'm I'm good with it i'm good with it i just i don't want them to take him right now sure i'm just saying i'm good with getting in on that kid um 
and somebody asked if this is the cast tech kid. No, the cast tech kid is, I think, Alex Graham in the 24 class. Uh, Brandon's asking about a kid in the 25 class from Chippewa Valley. Crazy. Sophomores in high yeah, school. It's insane, man. It really is nuts. Damn. It still really waiting on the nuts. offer to come through our house, but I'm still waiting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to uh, – we got a couple more here real quick. From Keith, considering they almost never throw to the second tight end in a two tight end set, would they consider putting Wagner or Carmody out there at times? Obviously, considering they would be attached. Mm-hmm. The only time I saw them run a two tight end set today, they were all split out. Like right. they were detached. Well, and again, it's because partly what they were working on today. Of course. And of the course. other thing is they're just they're really light at tight end right now, numbers right. wise. So that's going to be part of it as well. But um I mean, Look, I get where you're summon, saying, Keith, because I, I get frustrated by that too. But at least with those other Titans in the field, they're still weapons because your point is true. They don't throw to those guys much, but those guys run routes. I mean, mm-hmm. they have to be covered. Mitchell Evans ran routes last year. They just don't throw them the ball very often. Right. They still have to be accounted for to a degree. I just don't think they're accounted for enough relative to what the amount of snaps they're on the field. And I'm, I'm pulling up right now. Um, kind of what they did last year because I'm I'm trying I'm gonna give you kind of an example. But last year uh Mitchell Evans ran 104 pass routes last year. That's a third of what Michael Mayer did, but that's still a hundred pass routes. If you're gonna put Joe Walt, not Joe Walt, but uh, uh Carmody or Wagner like you did Joe Walt a couple years because remember when Notre Dame was really beat up in 2021, yep. sort of put Joe Walt out there yeah. tight end. Yeah. Because they're he like a, well, they put him in a different just, number and yeah, yeah. 45. Yeah. Yep. And because they needed that extra blocker and they wanted to have that extra edge, you know, uh, run game. But they were they were I think Bauman was hurt again and they were really limited to tight end. And so what they did was is they had Michael Mayer as your number one tight end. And then they started putting Joe Walt there. And then later in the year. So then they had to move Joe. Then they had to move Joe Walt to tackle. And that's when Mitchell Evans started playing. So I don't think there's a need for that, except maybe if you want to. Here's where they could do it, Vince. They could do it in the goal line if they don't think like any of the blockers right now are necessary or any of the tight ends are necessarily right now great blockers. I could see them, I could see them doing something like that. Yeah, and yeah, I could I could be a part I could, I could be a part of it. Joe Medina asked this question, Vince. He says, "Was Notre Dame strategy to never throw to a second tight end or a, a Reese thing, or was it Drew's inability to read the field?" It's not Drew Pine's fault because it didn't happen the previous years either. Right. I mean, it didn't happen when Jack Cohn was the quarterback and you can't tell me that Jack Cohn doesn't know how to read a defense. Right. I, I we know he can read a defense and, and it didn't happen in previous years either, because if you go back and look like 2020, when the number two tight end caught a decent amount of passes, that was Tommy Trumbull. Uh, Tommy that year caught 19 passers, 218 yards. He caught them all early when he was the starter. I mean, he caught see eight passes in the first two games and 11 in the next 10 because in the first two games he was a starter he caught 104 receiving yards in the in the first two games and then only had 114 the rest of the year so once he got demoted to number two he stopped getting the ball and so uh, when Mayer kind of stepped in the lineup it was one 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 three against Clemson zero one one two against Clemson and zero against Alabama so they weren't and, – and his yards were like 6, 4, 1, 11, 1, 18. You know, so they weren't using him much either, which is a mistake to me. I mean, it, it, it's a mistake totally, to me yeah, not to use no, that guy more yeah. effectively. So uh, I think it was more of a, a, a an offensive philosophy thing and, and meaning like not that you don't want the number two tight end to get the ball, but just how you're teaching your progressions, you're just not getting to him. 
And then you as a staff, you're not designing – because this is the biggest thing. Design some plays that are meant for your number two to make a big play. Do you remember right. – and, and see the thing that would piss me off? They would do that against teams that sucked. Remember they did that rail route with with uh, Brock uh, uh, Brock Wright against Bowling Green in 2020 in 2019? Got him. I'm like, why don't you do that against Michigan? Like, why do you always do right. that against the teams that suck? Why don't you ever try to do stuff like that? They don't that want to take chances. They never right. want to take chances. Well, then don't do whatever. Right. And that's that's the thing. So I think it was more of a philosophical thing than it was. Uh, I mean, I can't blame Drew Pine for something that was an issue years before Drew Pine was the starting quarterback. You, you know what I mean? Like, I just that would be incredibly unfair, in my opinion, to do. Sure. I think it's an, it's just the way that the Nerdium offense works. Is that going to change? I do not know. No idea. I do not know. Because it's not just about – your read rarely takes you to your number three or four guy. But that's why sometimes you're designing a play to you, – because you're not doing it to get him eight catches a game, but you can really do some things to get him a big play. Yes, you can change – We're going to – Yes. Yeah. And change I got the Davis field, Sherwood you know? in the game. When you put Davis Sherwood in the game, who on earth is thinking, watch for 38, watch for 38? Nobody. So you know what you should do in Throw certain situations? Throw to 38, throw a wheel route to 38 for a big sneak, a big play. Right. And now every time you get in 13 personnel and you got Davis Sherwood motioning, they have to be on alert. This cat can run and this cat can catch the football and they're not afraid to throw to him. Right. Right. Even so, the threat. You only have right. to put it on film. Like, right. yeah. And you don't have to run it again the rest of the year, but teams are going to have to be prepared for that. Correct. And when teams get over aggressive, they use it. And so right. that's a, so, but that's not that's not. Oh, it's the number four read. We just never got to him. It's we're designing this to make sure that our number two, our number three, and our H backs are getting touches. Those are the things for me that I want to start seeing more and more of. All right, so Vince, I think uh, I think that's going to do it for that. So we're gonna we're gonna get out of here, as, as right. Matt D said, there folks. Hey, do us a favor, everybody. Hit that like button. Hit the share. Hit the notification. Hit the okay. Hit the like button. See, Matt went a little bit different order here. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Hit the notif- and then share this podcast. That helps us with our algorithm. So we really appreciate that. And, of course, join the message board. Uh, Matt said it. Best intel in Notre Dame football. I tend to agree. But, of course, I'm biased because it's it's our intel. Uh, but I, I think it's pretty good. And I yeah, think, um, you know, we've grown organically. You know, we, we talk about it on the show, but I've never paid for advertising for IB and anywhere and our advertising budget right now is zero. Uh, I want I want the advertising to come from y'all. You guys are our advertisement. You're the best advertisement that we could get because it's personal experience. And if yep. you like what we're doing, tell your other Notre Dame friends about it. We had somebody join the show the other day or join the message board the other day. His first post was, "Hey, I had a, some buddies that just kept telling me I needed to join. We help. We thank y'all." Have them watch our show. Have them join our message board. All that kind of stuff. So if you have other Notre Dame fans and you're not telling them about ID, you're being selfish. You're being very selfish. You need to spread the good word. So we appreciate it. That's awesome. I kid. I I kid. I kid. I kid. (laughs) If you're listening via podcast, please give us a five-star review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday. We'll have our recruiting show Monday and then be back to work. Vince, you're going to be on vacation for part of the week, but you and I are going to do at least one or two more shows together next week. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So uh, definitely, definitely uh, check that out. So, Everyone have a great rest of your day. I have the defensive practice report out here in a little bit, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, And for Vince, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon on the Irish. Hey, as my wife says, spread the love. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Uh, so anyway, have a great rest of your day, everybody, and we'll see you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.